Today is the 11th day of December. Welcome to the Daily Audio Bible. I am Brian. It is great to be here with you today as we step through the threshold into a brand new shiny sparkly week. It's all out in front of us like it always is, like it always has been. It's a bit of a hectic time of year, so it's nice for us to know that there's a reset here, a brand new week. And this happens to be the third Sunday in the season of Advent. Advent being a season on the Christian calendar. It's not in the Bible. It's just a season on the Christian calendar, a season that is intended to prepare our hearts and allow us to consider the arrival, which is what Advent means, the arrival of the Savior into the world and what a monumental shift it was for his arrival. Nothing has been the same since then. And so uh, we, we certainly observe that and pay attention to that. This is the week where the joy candle would be lit. Like if you have an advent calendar, uh, not calendar, I said that last week. Advent candle wreath at your church and you're lighting the advent calendar uh, candles. Or if you have an advent candle wreath at your house and you're lighting those, then this would be the third one. This week represents joy. Joy to the world. And we focus on the joy of the arrival of the Savior as we contemplate this this week. So, that's where we are in the year. There are only four Sundays in this season of Advent. And this is the third one. So, I guess we kind of know where we are in the trajectory here. But we are in a new week, and this week we will read from the English Standard Version. And obviously we'll do what we always and only do. We'll pick up right where we left off. It's been our mission to read every every book, every chapter, every verse, every word in the Bible. And so we're picking up where we left off, not skipping anything. And uh, that will lead us back into the book of Amos. Today, chapters 4, 5, and 6. Hear this word, you cows of Bashan, who are on the mountains of Samaria, who oppress the poor, who crush the needy, who say to your husbands, Bring that we may drink. The Lord God has sworn by his holiness that, behold, the days are coming upon you when they shall take you away with hooks, even the last of you with fish hooks, and you shall go out through the breaches, each one straight ahead, and you shall be cast out into Harmon, declares the Lord. Come to Bethel and transgress to Gilgal and multiply transgression. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes every three days. Offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving of that which is leavened and proclaim freewill offerings. Publish them. For so you love to do, O people of Israel, declares the Lord God. 
I gave you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and lack of bread in all your places. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I also withheld the rain from you when there were yet three months to the harvest. I would send rain on one city and send no rain on another city. One field would have rain and the field on which it did not rain would wither. So two or three cities would wander to another city to drink water and would not be satisfied. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I struck you with blight and mildew. Your many gardens and your vineyards, your fig trees and your olive trees, the locust devoured. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I sent among you pestilence after the manner of Egypt. I killed your young men with the sword and carried away your horses, and I made the stench of your camp go up into your nostrils. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I overthrew some of you as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and you were as a brand plucked out of the burning. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. Therefore thus I will do to you, O Israel, because I will do this to you. Prepare to meet your God, O Israel. For behold, he who forms the mountains and creates the wind and declares to man what is his thought, who makes the morning darkness and treads on the heights of the earth, the Lord, the God of hosts, is his name. Hear this word that I take up over you in lamentation, O house of Israel. Fallen, no more to rise, is the virgin Israel, forsaken on her land, with none to raise her up. For thus says the Lord God, The city that went out a thousand shall have a hundred left, and that which went out a hundred shall have ten left to the house of Israel. For thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, Seek me and live, but do not seek Bethel, and do not enter into Gilgal or cross over to Beersheba, for Gilgal shall surely go into exile, and Bethel shall come to nothing. Seek the Lord and live, lest he break out like fire in the house of Joseph, and it devour with none to quench it for Bethel. O you who turn justice to wormwood and cast down righteousness to the earth, he who made the Pleiades and Orion and turns deep darkness into the morning, and darkens the day into night, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out on the surface of the earth. The Lord is his name, who makes destruction flash forth against the strong, so that destruction comes upon the fortress. They hate him who reproves in the gates, and they abhor him who speaks the truth. Therefore, because you trample on the poor and you exact taxes of grain from him, you have built houses of hewn stone, but you shall not dwell in them. You have planted pleasant vineyards, but you shall not drink their wine. 
For I know how many are your transgressions and how great are your sins. You who afflict the righteous, who take a bribe and turn aside the needy in the gate. Therefore, he who is prudent will keep silent in such a time, for it is an evil time. Seek good and not evil that you may live. And so the Lord, the God of hosts, will be with you, as you have said. Hate evil and love good and establish justice in the gates. It may be that the Lord, the God of hosts, will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Therefore thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the Lord. In all the squares there shall be wailing, and in all the streets they shall say, Alas! Alas! They shall call the farmers to mourning, and to wailing those who are skilled in lamentation. And in all vineyards there shall be wailing, for I will pass through your midst, says the Lord. Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord! Why would you have the day of the Lord? It is darkness and not light, as if a man fled from a lion and a bear met him, or went into the house and leaned his hand against the wall and a serpent bit him. Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light and gloom with no brightness in it? I hate, I despise your feasts, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs to the melody of your harps. I will not listen. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Did you bring me sacrifices and offerings during the forty years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You shall take up Sukkoth, your king, and Kion, your star god, your images that you made for yourselves, and I will send you into exile beyond Damascus, says the Lord, whose name is the God of hosts. Woe to those who are at ease in Zion and to those who feel secure on the mountains of Samaria. The notable men are the first of the nations to whom the house of Israel comes. Pass over to Calneh and see, and from there go to Hamath the great and then go down to Gath of the Philistines. Are you better than these kingdoms? Or is their territory greater than your territory? O oh, you who put far away the day of disaster and bring near the seat of violence. Woe to those who lie on beds of ivory and stretch themselves out on their couches and eat lambs from the flock and calves from the midst of the stall, who sing idle songs to the sound of the harp and like David, invent for themselves instruments of music, who drink wine in bowls 
and anoint themselves with the finest oils, but are not grieved over the ruin of Joseph. Therefore they shall now be the first of those who go into exile, and the revelry of those who stretch themselves out shall pass away. The Lord God has sworn by himself, declares the Lord, the God of hosts. I abhor the pride of Jacob. I hate his strongholds. And I will deliver up the city and all that is in it. And if ten men remain in one house, they shall die. And when one's relative, the one who anoints him for burial, shall take him up to bring the bones out of the house... And shall say to him who is in the innermost parts of the house, Is there still anyone with you? He shall say, No. And he shall say, Silence. We must not mention the name of the Lord. For behold, the Lord commands, and the great house shall be struck down into fragments, and the little house into bits. Do horses run on rocks? Does one plow there with oxen? But you have turned justice into poison and the fruit of righteousness into wormwood. You who rejoice in Lodibar, who say, Have we not by our own strength captured Carnaim for ourselves? For behold, I will raise up against you a nation, O house of Israel, declares the Lord, the God of hosts. And they shall oppress you from Libohamath to the brook of the Arabah. Revelation 2, 18 through 3, 6. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write... The words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation, unless they repent of her works." And I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart. And I will give to each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations, 
and he will rule them with a rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces. Even as I myself have received authority from my father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet you have still a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Psalm 130 My soul waits for the Lord. A song of ascents. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities. Oh, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Proverbs 29, 21, and 22 Whoever pampers his servant from childhood will in the end find him his heir. A man of wrath stirs up strife, and one given to anger causes much transgression. Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you for a brand new week. We thank you for the season that we are in, the season of Advent and this third Sunday of joy and it is our intention to focus upon joy this week bring the joy of your Holy Spirit into our lives 
May we experience joy to the world, goodwill toward men. And even as we continue our journey through the different books that we will encounter this week, we ask for your wisdom, your direction, your guidance, your instruction, your leadership. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Hi, this is Delights in Me, and I'm calling uh, in response to people on the water. I want you to know that I, I will be praying for you. Um, I remember what it was like being in college. My, uh, I went for a year and a half, and then I quit. My mom had passed away, so um, that was hard for me. It was a very hard time for me. But I remember also um, it being a very when you're a young adult, it, it, it's easy to feel very lost um, because all, all of a sudden you're able to make these decisions for yourself. And when you're in high school and years before that, everyone's got a routine for you. Um, but I want to encourage you um, that you will find your right path. I, I was thinking about it. It's kind of like um, hiking. I like to hike. I don't know if you do, but sometimes you get traveling down the wrong trail. You lose the markers, but you have to just go back to where you where you find the markers again. And I think for, the, for you, that's going home. Um, and even when you get lost and you lose those markers, God is with you and he's gently telling you, go this way. Um, and I think he's telling you right now, go home. And, and that's good. Um, I believe you're hearing from God. And you will find your way just because you're not doing what other people are doing by going to college. Um, it, it, it's just that God has a different path for you. Um, so hang in there. You're not lost. Okay? Love you. Bye. Hello, people on the water in Indiana. This is right where I'm supposed to be in St. Louis. When your father's request for you played yesterday on December 6th, I prayed for you um, because I know that being um, in, new in college, it's a hard time in life and trying to figure out what's going on. I work at a college. I work with lots of college students, particularly first-year college students. And many of them are confused and aren't sure what they're going to do and what they're going to study. Um, but the one thing I keep telling them, and this is what I'm going to continue to tell, I'm going to tell you and I'm praying for you. I pray that you have the courage to keep moving forward. Keep moving forward not only with your relationship with God and reading your Bible and staying a part of the DAB, but also keep forward, keep moving forward in what you're doing. That might mean keep moving forward in, in college. Maybe you stay in college. And um, I know in my story, while I did not end up doing the thing I studied in college, it opened all kinds of doors and opportunities for me to lead me to where I am today. I don't have time to tell you my whole story, but, um, but keep moving forward. I pray that you have the courage to do that. I also know that the mental anguish can be strong and can be overwhelming. 
And I think the one of the things that is going to get you through that is to keep moving forward. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Brian and family, dab listeners, thank you for your ministry to me over the last couple months. This is the road toad. I have a reading to share with you here. I wrote to my wife. It's called The Garden. I've been listening to the word, getting real with God and he with me. I'm ugly. When we married, God gave me a brand new garden to nurture and care for. I was to keep the weeds down, trim off the dead branches, and keep undesirable vegetation out so my garden could flourish. You know the result. My self-pity, low self-esteem, doubts, fears, and weaknesses brought the weeds and undesirables in. I failed to tend the garden given to me, crushed the flowers, trampled the fruit, allowed the weeds in. I did not water. My most precious flower has wilted and my garden is suffering. I have failed. I am sorry. I am ashamed. I ask forgiveness for failing. I ask that I be allowed to remain in this garden and to work to bring back beauty. I promise I'll rely on the master gardener for his help. When I shared this with her, she said, now maybe healing can begin. I've messed up a time or two since, but I ask for your prayers and I ask for the Lord's intervention for much beauty can come out of this relationship. Thank you. Hello, this is Mike from South Dakota. Uh, just calling in on the December 8th broadcast. Dwayne from Wisconsin called in and said that his son that he hadn't heard from for about a year um, said he heard from him, said he's doing good. And, you know, Dwayne, you've prayed for our kids and, and us a lot, and I appreciate it. And I've been praying for your kids. I'm glad to hear they're doing good. My, my adult children are doing real well, and I thank God for that. Um, something I'd like to have everybody pray for. My mom, she's, uh, uh, she's 94. She had a full-time caretaker, but that person is no longer able to take care of her. So, uh, my sister is going to move her into a very nice, very good, very expensive, uh, rest home, but she has enough money left that she can afford to live there. So praise God for that. And uh, so just pray that everything all goes well. Everything I've asked you folks to pray for is all, all resolved very well. And, and I've sure prayed for all of you all these years, many, many years. I thank God for this ministry. It has been a life-giving thing to my wife and I. And, and I love you all. And uh, praying for Blind Tony and and all of the people that come on very often and, and offer so much. I don't come on very much, but I love you all. Adios. Okay, so as we go through the book of Revelation, it's important that we try to keep our place. 
and that we try to approach it with new ears. And what I mean by that is that the book of Revelation has a lot swirling around it. A lot of people think of it as the scary book of the Bible because it has to do with the end and it's full of symbolism. People try to make that symbolism a lot of things. And so there's incredibly diverse interpretation. So we need to try to keep track. So basically where we are is that John is on the island of Patmos and he hears a trumpet call and he turns around and there's seven golden lampstands with Jesus in the middle of them holding seven stars. And Jesus tells John to write down what he hears, what he sees. And we learn that these lampstands represent seven specific churches. Not churches that are symbols, actual, real churches that exist at this time. And so as John is basically taking this dictation from Jesus and writing the words that he has to say to these churches down, we see that these little notes or letters to the individual churches are addressed to the angel of that church. And although there are several interpretations, we think that these angels of the church are the leaders of the church, churches, because the letters are specific to what's going on in the church. And yesterday we read the three different letters to the first of the three churches, Ephesus, Smyrna, and Pergamum. Today we read the letters to Thyatira and Sardis. And then tomorrow we'll read the, uh, the last remaining two letters to the last two remaining churches. And so to the church at Thyatira, Jesus encourages them that he knows, he knows their works, what they're doing. He knows their love, he knows their faithfulness and service, and even their endurance. And he says that their last works are greater than their first. So in other words, they're growing in this. They're living into it. They're doing better now than they were when they started, which is an incredible compliment. But Jesus does have a problem with the church at Thyatira. And it's basically the same problem with the church at Pergamum. They're holding on to the faith, and they have no problem engaging the culture. But that, that has led to the problem that they are too engaged, and things are seeping back into the church that shouldn't be there. Jesus describes that by saying, You tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and teaches and deceives my slaves to commit sexual immorality and to eat meat sacrificed to idols. So we don't know if there is actually a woman named Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess in this church, or if Jesus is simply talking about the behavior of Jezebel found in the Old Testament stories about her, because Jezebel led, led God's people away into Baal worship, which also led them into sexual immorality. But anyway, there's someone uh, or some people who are following this someone that are in the church. And this kind of behavior is being tolerated. And Thyatira was an economic hub at the time. And it was a working city. And there were trade workers. And there were many trades to keep uh, a city and a region going. And these trade workers would collect themselves together in guilds. And these guilds would be communities of people who did the same kind of work. And so people knew each other and lived together in community. And these guilds would have their own customs. For example, there, there would be like a patron god or deity of the guild. So if the trade was ironworking, for example, then there would be a god that would overlook that whole process. 
And so no matter what other gods might be worshipped in the home, these people would worship that god, the god of the guild. And if you refused to do that, then you can see how quickly you could be ostracized and, and economically impacted, blacklisted. And so people would assimilate. They would belong to the church and worship Jesus, but then go to their guild and worship that god because it was required in the culture, and then maybe they would visit other temples and feasts and do all kinds of rituals and things and then show, show up for church on worship day. And so we can see it was, it was just as hard, if not harder, for them to be in the world but not of it as it is for us. And they're trying to figure this all out. But some churches are taking this too far. And so we've seen references to Balaam, to the Nicolaitans, to this Jezebel prophetess person or people. And it stems from a teaching that this world is passing away and our human experience in it in exchange for a new world and a new glorified body and the family of God. And so while that's being awaited, it's a free-for-all. And the cultic practices of the culture are seeping their way back into the church in the guise of freedom in Christ. And so this was going on in Pergamum. This is also going on in Thyatira. By the wording of the letter, it looks like it was going on longer in Thyatira than it had been in Pergamum. Because in the letter to Thyatira, Jesus is talking about judgment. And he's saying time has passed. Specifically, he says, I gave her time to repent. But she does not want to repent of her sexual immorality. So, she's going to get sick. And those who commit adultery with her are going to fall into tribulation. And it's not going to go well. So Jesus is calling out a specific group of people in the church that are, that are living this way. And then he closes the letter by talking to everyone else, those who are not, by telling them that there is no additional burden for them. In other words, there's nothing else. You're doing it right. Well done. And that brings us to the letter to the church in Sardis. And the thing going on in Sardis seems to be similar to what is going on in Ephesus. The light, or the witness of the gospel of Jesus, is going out. And Jesus is fairly frank with them. I know your works. You have a reputation for being alive. But you're dead. So, wake up. Be vigilant. Be alert. Strengthen what you've got left. Because it's, it's about to die. And you haven't finished your mission. Repent. Remember what you heard in the beginning. Remember what you received and heard. And keep it and repent because if, if you don't wake up if you're not alert I'll come like a thief and you have no idea when when that will be and in this letter Jesus says you don't have no you have no idea at what hour I will come against you with the church in Ephesus Jesus said you know if he has to do that he'll remove the lampstand in other words the light will go out so we can probably assume that what Jesus is saying to the church in Sardis is similar so we've gone through five little letters to five different churches, and there are different things that are going on in these churches, and they all seem to boil back to the question, how do I be in the world and not of it? In the case of some of these churches, they're true. They're holding very, very true. But because of the marginalization of the culture that they're in, they aren't able to shape and shift the culture. 
They're not out in the world showing a better way. They're getting every conceivable opposition and it's making them grow smaller and quieter. They're being true, but they're also basically being invisible. And then the other side of that, you have churches that are out and engaging and kind of showing that, hey, we Christians, we're people too. We can do all the things that you can do. We're, we're just part of this. We just have a different way of looking at things. But the end result is rather than shaping culture and being a positive influence and showing a better way, the opposite is happening and they're being shaped and it's seeping back into the church. So Sardis is one of the churches that is growing smaller and invisible and they have a lot of pressure. The Jews are very vocal about denouncing the Christian faith very, very much uh, about the business of trying to differentiate Christianity with Judaism. And the Jewish community in Sardis was large and influential, one of the most important in the entire region. And so they have cultural opposition and then they have spiritual or religious opposition as well. And they're finding it easier just to keep their mouth shut and be together rather than to shine bright and be a light in the darkness, because that will likely only amp up the opposition and it could lead to death, persecution, marginalization, blacklisting, all of the things that would would bring suffering. So we still have two more letters to two more churches to read, but we're getting a pretty good overview of what's going on in these churches and we see that these are still issues that we have to face today. How can I be in this world but not of it? And the picture that we're getting from Jesus is that remaining true is very, very important, critical, crucial, but also crucial is the outflow of that. We are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. We're not just here to stay true and wait for the world to change. We're here to stay true and change the world. And those are different things. So, Father, we bring that question to you. How are we being in the world, but not of the world? What is shaping us, and what are we shaping? And what is out of balance? And we acknowledge that this is different for each one of us. We are in an individual relationship with you, walking with you, and this is different for each of us. We're in all kinds of cultures and in all kinds of contexts. But it does boil down to what we are allowing to shape us and what we are vigilantly trying to shape. And we invite you into that question. Holy Spirit, speak to us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.